You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to this month's feature series, Focus on Medical Education. Can we do better with our use of IT in clinical medicine and with learning in medical schools? Welcome to a special segment on health education on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Dr. Bill Krauns, Senior Director of Worldwide Health at Microsoft Corporation. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's talk a little bit about what Microsoft uses terms as digital natives and digital immigrants. Can you can you define those for me? Well, those really aren't Microsoft terms, and I, I actually can't quote you who came up with them, but really it's this concept of uh, most of us, I'll certainly include myself anyway, who did not grow up with computers since grade school, uh, are known as digital immigrants. And my child, actually, who's 26 years old, the people of that generation are the true digital natives. In other words, from grade school on, they were introduced to the computer and, quite frankly, uh, have never produced much of anything without using one, whether it's corresponding with a friend or writing and preparing a term paper. So, right. My seven-year-old daughter is uh, on the Internet every night texting and surfing like crazy. Absolutely. So she's so a native. If we sort of look at the physician population, what's becoming increasingly clear is that new medical students and new uh, graduates and, and residents coming out of our programs are now in the era of the digital native. It's very interesting in talking to uh, chief information officers at hospitals and clinics around the country. I used to hear a lot that having electronic medical records and hospital information systems in place was a barrier to recruitment. In other words, you know, doctors were fearful sure. of starting a new job at some place that was fully electronic. And I'm not hearing that anymore. What I'm hearing now, of course, is because the students who are coming out of training are true digital natives, you must have these things in place, or frankly, they're not interested because they don't know how to do the work otherwise. Well, what, what about in med schools? What's happening throughout the country? Is, has everybody made the shift, or is everybody in transition? Well, well, sadly, I'd say we have a ways to go, and I don't really mean to condemn all medical schools or all residency programs, because I know there are shining examples out there. But I must tell you, uh, as you might imagine, I attend a lot of industry conferences where I run into medical students and residents and deans of medical schools and residency programs. And I often hear them complaining that their academic programs uh, have inhibited their use of information technology, that the students are feeling that you know, here they grew up with this technology, and yet they're confronted by professors and deans who will say, oh, no, that's not the way we do it. This is the way we do it. So there's a generation gap. It's that generation gap. That's, that's right. And so I think what's happening is, is the conflict between the digital native and the digital immigrant. Right. We know who will win. <laughs> well, ultimately, the digital immigrants like me will die off, <laughs> right? Right. And and the new generation will take hold. But but in the meantime, uh, I would really implore uh, my colleagues who are heads of academic institutions and residency programs and training centers to think as much about the, the way we assist this generation in using information technology and perhaps learn from them instead of getting in the way. Well, tell me what Microsoft is doing specifically to help the dinosaurs. <laughs> Well, specifically to help the dinosaurs, uh, we're doing quite a bit, but specifically to help the our teaching programs and so forth, uh, we have sort of reorganized here at Microsoft so that uh, the uh, account manager is calling on residencies and major university programs and medical training centers and teaching hospitals around the country are now uh, well-versed in the healthcare industry so that they're not being called on by our sort of generic account executives. Now, that initiative is just underway, but uh, hopefully it will make a difference. 
But this really isn't a job necessarily that Microsoft needs to do. Uh, and We're certainly glad to step up and assist. This is, is really my request is that those involved in medical education look inward a bit and uh, think about the, the digital natives and the adoption of information technology and electronic medical record systems. And, and please, please not get in the way of these young students who actually we can probably learn something from down the line. I imagine you've been to numerous medical schools. Are there some that stand out in your mind that are just unbelievable at uh, state-of-the-art cutting edge? Uh, there, there are, and I, I really am not going to name names. I mean, I, I've, I've visited some centers here in the U.S., and, and quite frankly, uh, you may recall from one of our previous programs that one of my themes is that uh, actually when it comes to the implementation of healthcare information technology, we're kind of the worst of the worst of right. industrialized nations. Uh, if we go overseas and look around, and of course I do a lot of world travel, I, I see much greater innovation, much greater use of IT and healthcare overseas. I, I will say that I, I visited my own medical school, again, which I, I won't necessarily name, just a couple of years ago, uh, expecting, and I hadn't been back for some 20 years, and, and expecting to see really some terrific advances in medical education. And although certainly, you know, the students were now carrying laptops, they were going to lectures uh, and sometimes even participating in recorded lectures on the Internet and, you know, doing anatomy and doing some things uh, using computer-aided tools, there wasn't the integration at the clinical, at the point-of-care level that I would have liked to have seen or would have expected to see. There was still a lot of paper process uh, in the hospital itself, in the clinics themselves, and uh, so that was a bit disappointing. So you've been around the world, and I know we talked about it in a previous show, but today's today. Let's let's review who in the world is really at uh, at the top. What have you seen out there? And let's get our doctors jealous so that they push for it. Well, and I know a lot of our, certainly our physician colleagues who are listening to this program travel the world as well, and I would encourage them to, uh, although it may not seem too vacation-like, they may want to stop by the hospital in the foreign country they're visiting just to see what is going on. But certainly throughout Western Europe, the U.K., Many Asian countries, and Singapore comes to mind, is doing some terrific work. Thailand, a lot of Southeast Asian countries. These are the ones that are really leading the world in the implementation and use of IT and healthcare. Uh, I pointed out in my blog, which, by the way, I would direct people to, it's just health blog, all one word, or just type my name into any search engine. It's one of the first things that will pop up. But a lot of times what I try to do is, is profile hospitals and interesting projects I see that are going on around the world. And, you know, in, in many cases, uh, these are hospitals and health systems that have built their own solutions using very contemporary uh, commoditized IT at actually at a very low cost, user interfaces that are highly intuitive, mobility, tablet PCs, sort of all things Internet, web services, truly amazing stuff. And also practice models that are incorporating this technology to actually provision health information and medical services in entirely new ways. So another one of my message to our teaching hospitals and uh, residency programs here in America is to be open to the idea that we really need to start thinking about new models for care delivery. We've talked before about uh, what's going on in primary care with the retail clinic movement, which is uh, causing a major shift in practice patterns. But even beyond that, there are a number of physicians, of course, today offering concierge-type services and physicians who are really looking at web technology and the Internet and thinking about how can I provision care more efficiently to my patients who need information or to my patients who need limited medical services. Can I embrace this technology and use it to extend myself and the care I provide? And that's what I'd like to see more thought given to in our residency programs, uh, in our teaching centers, is how do we actually provision health care in new ways using this technology? Bill, 
it seems to me that one of the things holding us back is who's going to pay for it. And these other countries you named have probably government-run medical systems. A very valid point, and certainly a point that I will often make when people ask me, well, why are we so far behind in America? That is one of the reasons. The other reason is that you know, we invested in a lot of legacy systems in the past that are now kind of old and tired, and countries are now kind of leapfrogging us because they didn't make those investments in the past. There is more generally the issue of physician reimbursement, obviously, for such things as doing email with patients and virtual visits and that sort of thing. But I've actually run into a number of colleagues who found very creative ways around our current reimbursement system to deal with that. And, and as we see both employers and I think government, and this is true around the world, putting more personal responsibility on individuals. I have a saying that uh, any of us who have any money to, at all can be expecting to be paying more of our own funds for health care in the future. In that kind of environment, the consumer really needs to become empowered, needs to have tools, and I believe the industry will rise up and uh, start uh, provisioning services in new and exciting ways to meet consumer demand. Bill, you, you brought up the word virtual. When I think of virtual, I, I just think of games. So what's happened, say, in the last few years just at Microsoft with virtual reality and its applications to the healthcare field? Well, I think, you know, we're seeing, I mentioned some of the exciting things that I see when I travel, and, and certainly we are seeing a lot of interesting applications of robotics in healthcare. The Da Vinci system comes to mind as a classic example of that. I've seen a lot of great use of virtual reality in uh, medical teaching of anatomy, for sure. example. Right. Could get, uh, we wouldn't need cadavers anymore. Exactly. Well, let's hope we don't get, get away from them entirely. Although, thinking back on my days in front of the cadaver, uh, uh, I think I would have welcomed the, right. the computer model yes, personally. You wouldn't, smell, you wouldn't leave smelling as bad. Yeah. So I, I think you know we're seeing very creative use. And uh, also, you know, the, the same kinds of technologies that we find uh, our kids using so predominantly in gaming today, uh, are being used for all kinds of training scenarios, uh, not only in healthcare, but other industries, whether they be you know, airlines or manufacturing. So uh, lots of good work uh, with virtual reality going on out there. You know, there's so many different EMRs out there that every hospital uses. And, you know, I worry about standardization and having all the different hospitals being able to communicate to each other if, if someone has, let's say, a personalized medical record. Yes. Well, there's some really interesting work going on that Microsoft's deeply involved uh, in. I just came back, actually, from a one-week tour uh, with the National Health Service uh, over in the U.K., both in Scotland and England. And uh, one of the projects that we're making some very deep investments in is what's called the uh, Common User Interface Initiative. This is a joint project with the National Health Service. In fact, if people want to find out more about it, it's www.mscui.net. They can take a look at that. And what we're defining in working with hundreds of clinicians of the National Health Service is a common user interface, standards around the design of the user interface. And this is now being released, basically, and made available to developers around the world who are developing clinical applications. I have maintained for a long time that we have a failed IT strategy if we think that uh, every hospital or every clinic can be using a different uh, vendor solution, and they all expect quite different things from us, it's uh, impossible if you're a community physician to learn how to use that many different systems. That is very encouraging. That would put a lot of people out of work, though, if we got rid of all those web application well, software it programs. It, it actually, to the contrary, um, this 
actually can put a lot more people to work because what it does is it it allows developers of these solutions, first of all, to develop them uh, much more economically, mm-hmm. but it also allows them to take their limited resources and, and focus on what is, I think, the really heavy lifting, and that's a lot of the, the workflow process and intelligent design around decision support and position order entry and a lot of the sort of behind the unif- uh, user interface things that uh, need to happen. So I wouldn't worry too much about the big vendors or even small vendors for that matter, uh, but this kind of gives us a common framework from which to work with, and, and I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. Well, Bill Krauns from Microsoft Corporation, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure, Larry. I'm Dr. Larry Casco, and you've been listening to a special segment on health education on the Clinician's Roundtable. We welcome your questions and comments at ReachMD. If you visit us at our website, you can now visit and check out our new on-demand and podcast features, which can allow you to access our entire program library. Thanks for listening today. Tune in each hour for the ReachMD feature series, Focus on Medical Education. We thank you for listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. This ReachMD program is featured on Sermo, a free online community exclusively for physicians. To discuss this program with your colleagues, visit www.sermo.com. That's S-E-R-M-O dot com. When you join, enter ReachMD in the promotion box to receive a $15 Amazon gift card.